Welcome back to another episode of the More Love podcast. Today I'm sharing my conversation with Lana Carolan. She's had a really beautiful experience when she was really young and I'm hoping that through this conversation we'll share a spiritual journey or a story of a spiritual journey that'll help us all along our way. I'd like to start, Lana. Well, first, welcome. We've been chatting for a short while before I turned on record, so I forgot to welcome you. Thank you, Helen. Glad to be here. You carry a really beautiful frequency, and I'm sure that's going to come through in the in the podcast episode, and I'm appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot to warn you that I keep my introductions short, um, <laughs> and I know that you've shared a really beautiful story of when you were really young and at school and missing your brother. And I'm just wondering if that's enough prompt for you to share the story with us. Yes, when I was when I was a, a child, I attended Catholic school. And this was, uh, I'm 71 now. So this was back in the 50s, early 50s. And um, back in those days, I have no idea how it is now. But the the priests and the nuns were pretty intimidating, <laughs> and um, and I was a fearful child anyway, and I really had no reason to. I had wonderful parents, a beautiful family, so there wasn't anything on the home front that sh- should have ever frightened me, but school terrified me, so much so that when I was in first grade, and I, I guess I was around five or six at the most, but I think I was closer to five, the nuns had my brother, my older brother, come back, come down at, at recess time and hold my hand. I mean, I was too afraid to play or interact with anybody. I was just, I, so, you know, as luck would have it, he got the, he caught the flu one day, and, or not one day, a few days. But uh, on this particular day, the first day, there I was on the playground and just kind of leaning up against the brick wall you know, watching the kids play, feeling terrified. And um, and I felt someone hold my hand, just like if you would be holding my hand, just if, like if a physical, another human being was holding my hand, I could feel it. I had sense, senses. And, and of course, I looked there and there was nothing, nobody there. And um, I think I was just too young to consider the fact that I was going, might be going insane or anything. <laughs> you know, and, and children at that age, you know, they accept things much more than we adults do. They're much more open-minded and non-judgmental. And I, but I, I remember just having an inner knowing that it was Jesus. I just identified it as Jesus. And um, I don't remember too much more about the experience, but at that age, I knew nothing about any spiritual teachings. I didn't know what healing was or forgiveness was. The only thing I did know was that every time I, whenever I was afraid, all I'd have to do would be to call on Jesus and my fear would go away. It would just melt away. It was like my safety net and my comforter, even back then. And even through my early adulthood, you know, he just, I just felt his presence always with me. And I remember before answering the door, before picking up a phone, I would naturally in my mind call on Jesus to join me. It, it was just um, it was just how I functioned, you know. 
And um, I eventually left the Catholic Church uh, when I was old enough to go to high school. And I just say, well, you know, I left the church, but I just took Jesus with me. You know, he just <laughs> traveled in my life. And um, he was never the Jesus that I was being taught about. There was never any guilt or shame or blame or fear associated with him at all. You know, he was, um, he seemed to be the remedy to that, all of that. You know, so um, I was um, really uh, delighted when I found The Course in Miracles. That was in around 1980, you know, so, and it's traveled with me my entire life, you know, my entire adult life. I guess I was about 29 or 30 at the time. So um, most of my adult life. And then about five years ago, I was uh, had a, have a very dear friend and he uh, recommended A Course of Love. And, um, and I recognized in both, in both documents, in both sacred writings, I, the energy, I recognized the energy of Jesus in the writings both in A Course of Miracles and in A Course of Love, because people will ask me, well, how do you know it was the Jesus? <laughs> and, and it's just an energetic quality about the transmission that I just identify. I just have, a, like I said, an inner knowing. I couldn't tell you how, but there are lots of, um, you know, writings by, you know, philosophers and spiritual teachers who are channels and I don't identify with it, you know, so there is a distinction. It isn't like everyone that says they're channeling Jesus, I'll buy into. It's just, it resonates. It resonates deeply within me. And that's how I, um, that's how I, it's just like it teaches, it's an inner knowing. Mm. There's no words that could teach her or convince anybody of it. Yeah. You know, it's let's say you have to be there. So <laughs> yeah. I do have been there. So, so that, you know. It's a really beautiful story. And it mm-hmm. I really loved how you said, you know, you were so young that you didn't question, you know, you took your inner knowing and embraced mm-hmm. it and kept it through mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. I think a lot of us, including myself, you know, it we've may have had experiences but we've grown up and and come to believe in the material world and the logical mind and 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 linear cause and effect and we've become separated from that inner knowing within us whereas you were wise enough to hold the relationship from the beginning Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, and it's it's true. The older we get, the more intellectualizing we do, and of course, our all of our understanding or what we try to understand um, is from the thinking mind of the ego, and that's only based on the past. So, if if we a lot of times if we don't experience something um, that if we don't have an answer to something in the in our past. We think it doesn't exist, you know. I'm imagining it, or it can't be real, or, or this makes no sense, and we just go about our day, and it doesn't even have a chance to imprint us. Mm. Um, and I think that's what it needs to do. I think um, at a very young age, I didn't have a past to go look in, um, and so it, it imprinted me very deeply, just like a baby is imprinted in its mother with its mother when it's born, you know, or 
or or little ducks, you know, <laughs> ducks or animals imprint with um, a mother, and uh, and I think that's important. And I think um, being open-minded is is such a key. It's such a key um, to expand our awareness and to be willing and the willingness to just consider for a moment, you know, may, what if I'm wrong? You know, what if I'm wrong about everything? You know, maybe there's another way of seeing this. Maybe there's another way of perceiving this, you know, it's because, you know, that's saying it's not what I don't know. It's what I don't know. I don't know. You know, so if I think I know something, uh, that's a dangerous state of mind. <laughs> I like this state of emptiness where I just come to this beautiful, empty place where I recognize I don't know what anything means. I've only def I've defined it based on my past learning, past teaching, past experiences, but I don't truly know what anything means. For that, uh, one of my favorite questions to Holy Spirit about anything, or Jesus, you know, I consider them both representing the same, the same infinite mind of God, mm. or our higher self, or our Christ consciousness. The only question I ask most often now is, what is the truth of this? Mm. You know, I just want the truth. I don't care what form the answer shows up in, or even with the, uh, I just want to know the truth. That's all I want to know. Is it true or is it not? And and that's how I I will receive these beautiful messages from Jesus. And uh, we started writing together. I call it a meditative writing. I guess it was in my early 20s, you know, and I was on a business trip to New York City. And it was my very first business trip by myself. And, um, and that also can be kind of intimidating. And I was making notes for a morning meeting. And as I was writing, all of a sudden something took over. Some, it wasn't an audible voice. I refer to it, and it's and it's funny. That's another story about a course of love that made me pick it up and buy it. Um, for years in my writings, I've been referring to hearing the Holy Spirit as the thoughts I do not think. I've written those exact words for over more than a decade, maybe two decades. So when I found the Course of Miracle, I mean, a Course of Love, I opened it randomly in the bookstore, and the line that hit me was, "Your first experience of unity may be the thoughts you do not think." And I had never seen those exact words in that context in any other spiritual writing. So I knew I had to buy that book. <laughs> you know, no, but yeah, it's it's just so. I started um, doing uh, these meditative writings, and and I've been doing them for decades now. And for the last, I guess, 10, 12 years, I've been, I, I sit every morning with Jesus, and then I post my essays, I call them, on Facebook. And it's a, it's a kind of a blending. I, I, I refer to it as like the content of it is pure Jesus. But the form in which it's delivered, well, how it's delivered, it comes through me as Lana, you know. So it's how I speak, the same way I, I read it, how I speak. But the content, the message, I never edit that or change that or do anything. It's, it's delivered first to me for my learning 
or my reminders, mainly from reminders at this point, and then for me to share. And as I share it, um, it strengthens it in me, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I love to share the love of God. It, mm -hmm. It's just uh, even talking with you this short period, I can feel love just just rising up within me, you know, you know, it strengthens it within you, you know, so it's, it's one of the miracle miraculous gifts that gives us. Mm. I'd love to talk about the experience of unity a little more and sort of draw on some of the experiences you've had mentoring others. I've used the term note, which stands for non ordinary transcendent experience. And it basically, mm -hmm. it can be thoughts you didn't think. It can be all the way to a really profound near-death experience. It can be a deja vu, falling in love. But it's, it's an experience that warps the time-space continuum. And, you know, the time-space continuum is only really relevant, if that word is even the correct one to use, in the material form. In our mm -hmm. spiritual form, we are not pinned to that time-space continuum. In fact, it doesn't exist. So I think it's a really beautiful way to encompass this incredible range of experiences or, you know, holding your hand when you're five years old and comforting. Mm -hmm. um, there was no one there. There was, the, but the warmth and the love and the comfort was there. How's that mm -hmm. possible in a time space you know material world it's not so these no. these beautiful experiences come in so many forms and I just wondered for someone who might be experiencing one of these type of experiences for the first time or they have them regularly and they haven't come to a peace within themselves that it's okay or um they're just confused about it or or something I don't know exactly the question to ask you but um, what's coming to mind? Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> I think, and even for myself having that experience at five, I, uh, gosh, I mean, knows how many I dismissed because mm. um, it's just, you know, because, um, you know, thoughts come in your mind, experiences go through your, you know, your being and quickly. And if you, you know, we're real good at grabbing hold on to, uh, to the en negative energy. In fact, that's what holds it in place. Mm. But we're, you know, that happy, those happy experiences, those joyful, blissful experiences. In fact, we call them fleeting moments because <laughs> yes. the energy just passes through. There's no obstruction to it. So, you know, what I've observed over the years, and I've had, I've had so many of those experiences, Helen, that I've just been so fortunate and so gifted and I'm so grateful of, of um, I, I call them just miraculous experiences because I receive them as miracles. You know, so, but in the beginning, what I found was the most helpful spiritual tool that I could utilize was being present, was being mindful was keeping my focus and attention in now because this present moment, and of course in miracles, Jesus says, it's the closest approximation we have to eternity because once we travel into time, and by traveling into time, I mean 
when our mind, our thinking mind is focused on either about something in the future or something that's happened in the past, I call it mind traveling or time traveling, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can only commune with God right here, right now, present with you. For me, that's all that exists right here, right now. When I'm present with God, I can I can ask for forgiveness. It's where holy instances occur. It's where I can commune. Um, it's where healing happens. It's, you know, it's it's just where all the goodies are. The <laughs> spiritual goodies are right here, right now. You know, when I'm not present, I'm not I'm not really existing in truth. I'm just uh, um, I'm, I've entered the illusion. It's like I step out of reality and enter the illusion whenever I use my thinking mind for anything. You know, I've got to the point where I um, don't use it very often. I ask, you know, and and but as before getting more directly to to your question, um, I. I really don't, I can't think of anything that I've ever done to um, create one or manifest one. They happen. And I can only notice when I'm having it or reflect back on what I can remember of it. But it isn't like do one, two, three, and you'll have a spiritual Mm -hmm. experience, you know, because usually they're of a revelation quality Mm -hmm. and that's from God to me. It's not from me to God. You know, so, but, you know, just as far as, let me look at healing, because we're, you know, now in the world, you know, there's a lot of concern about diseases and viruses and healing. And, and so I, I know um, it was about four years ago, I was uh, diagnosed with a fatal disease, pulmonary fibrosis. And this disease, if you're not familiar with it, the life expectancy, if you're otherwise in good health, <laughs> is about a year, which I, I'm physically, I'm not, you know, and uh, and this wasn't just one doctor, this was a team of three lung specialists, well, two, one was my, you know, primary physician, and the MRI showed it, and there's no treatment, there's no cure, other than comfort treatments, you know, so that was the sentence I was given to, and of course, being far along in my spiritual um, practices, I I went to Jesus and I said, "What is the truth of this?" You know, I wanted to know. I knew what I knew what the world was showing me. I knew what these doctors were telling me, but I needed to know the truth of it. Mm-hmm. And the message that I got from Jesus was, "Let the doctors take care of your body, and I will take care of your mind." And so um, I. St- I stopped worrying after that experience. It never seemed real to me, even though the MRIs were in the, were the other things they call all these tests, MRIs and I don't know, but um, even though they were showing I had this disease and telling me I had it, Jesus told me, don't worry about it. Just kind of, well, uh, in another experience, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute, he told me to walk through it with him. And he would show me it's not real. So instead of running away from it or being frightened of it, he says, just walk through it with me. So about three or four months into the disease, I went back for another MRI. And the doctors were a little puzzled because it hadn't progressed as far as they thought it would. 
and they just commented, well, this is a pretty slow progressing case you have here. You know, heck, you might live a little longer <laughs> before you drop dead. So <laughs> I guess I guess that they thought that was encouraging. So um, I I just kept on doing what Jesus said. I didn't think about it. I truly didn't think about it. And anytime I want my mind wanted to wander into it, I just brought my awareness back to the present moment and went into a meditation, asking God to show me the truth about it again. And the fear disappeared. The only other guidance he gave me was do what brings you peace, because a, a peaceful state of mind is a very powerful state of mind. It's miracle mindedness. Mm. And so I stayed in peace and I don't care what that looked like. You know, I would not let my mind wander into time, into a future outcome that doesn't exist I don't know what that future outcome is, but my mind should, could sure yes. whip up a good story about it. It could whip up a terrifying story about it. Yes. So I didn't want to go there. You know, I just wanted to stay present with God. And so that's what I did. So a few months later, um, I, my symptoms seemed to, because this whole time I'm even getting symptoms of this disease and I was on oxygen and I went um, back for another test another MRI a few months later, and it had actually started to reverse itself. And pulmonary fibrosis is like an adult version of cystic fibrosis in children. It's scar tissue growing in your lungs. And eventually it grows to the point where, you, where your lungs just don't work. Um, because of my age and my history, I didn't qualify for any lung or heart transplants. So um, but the MRI showed it was starting to reverse. I actually had less scar tissue than the one before. And at this point, they're just scratching their heads, mm. you know. And I felt um, well enough to take a trip to Boston to see some friends. And, you know, I took all my equipment with me and all my, you know, my nebulizer and breathing oh. machines. And But I didn't need any of them. And just being a, around all these loving people... Uh, I just felt the spiritual energy rise up in me. And, well, to make a long story short, there's no scar tissue in my lungs anymore. It's gone. And, of course, the doctors, they just said, oh, well, we're really sorry, but we probably misdiagnosed you. <laughs> you know, of course, that's what they would always say. But I've had a few near-death experiences. I had a true revelatory experience about six months which is way out there. Um, but I'll tell you, on, the on both of the near-death experiences, what came over me, and I share this a lot because I don't want people to ever be afraid of transition mm -hmm. of any kind, whether you're in a body or out of body. I'm still me. I'm still a child of God. I'm still Christ consciousness. And as we were talking before the call, it's much more expansive than this body. A body can't contain who I am. And I, I found that out. So um, whatever happens next, I'm just going to still be me experiencing life in a new way. And what that is, I can't tell you. But I will tell you, and this was right after having the last rites. I was at the hospital. I acquired a staph infection after many, many abdominal surgeries. And the priest had just left the room. And um, I woke up feeling him putting oil on my head. 
And, you know, my first thought was, you know, this can't be good. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't laughing at the time, but when I think back on it, I go, oh, my. So uh, I was so I remember uh, I remember feeling so weak that I could barely lift my arm or move my hand. And I so I just kind of laid there and just to see what happened next. And I didn't know. But I'll tell you, right at the point where you think you're dissolving, where you think you're disappearing out of life, there's a something else. There's a something else that clicks in. And this something else that I never knew was there, had no awareness, brings on this profound state of peace. And in this state, it's like, well, it's okay to go and it's okay to stay, you know, both of those choices had equalized. One was one didn't look more attractive than the other. One didn't look worse than the other. It was like, well, what do you want to do? You know, and I don't really have a memory of making the decision to stay, but I re- I do remember that my awareness expanded tremendously to a level I'd never experienced before, and I really did experience my unity and my oneness with everything. And I remember that the table next to the the bed or the lamp or the tree outside, there were just, there was no delineation between where I ended and it, they began. And um, people asked me, was it an out of body experience? And and my body had no more importance than the lamp or the room. It was, I wasn't in it or I was out of, or, or I didn't, you know, since being out of it or in it, it was just a part of the whole unity of everything I was seeing and experiencing and perceiving. There was no separateness. It was truly a phenomenal experience. And it was an experience of wonder. It was like I was back to being that little child again. And it wasn't frightening at all. I don't I would just remember the piece of it all and just the wonderment. Just like uh, the first time a kid goes to an amusement park, he's just in wonder of it all, you know. And that's how I remember it as being in wonder. And I and my awareness started to come back as I recovered, as I recovered from that. But it was a miraculous state of mind. I'm telling you, Helen, I had so many miracles. I can remember um, the first or second day I was home and they had nurses uh, coming to the house every day to take care of me because I had a huge um, incision in my stomach and um, and wh- and I had I remembered and I also had a small child not small she was about ten at the time my husband had passed away when she was seven so I was a single parent and I had the thought oh my goodness I I need to um, somehow get some food in the house. Fortunately, the school bus dropped her off right outside the house. So right when I'm having that thought, there's a knock, knock on my bedroom door. In walks a woman I'd never seen before. And she says, oh, hello, I'm Sister Maureen. I'm going to be bringing food and taking care of you. The next day, listen to this, I had the thought, I had the thought, oh, my goodness, my car payment must be a couple months behind. I've got to get somehow get 
somebody to mail that in. Back in those days, we, we just used snail mail. <laughs> and I had the thought, there it comes again, knock, knock on the door. It's my next door neighbor. And she had a check in her hand. And it wasn't for the check. It wasn't for the amount of my payment. She had taken up a collection at the church. And she went to a different church. It wasn't the Catholic church. She went to her church. And the check was like for $3,000 to pay off my car. And she says, we just didn't want you to be worried about that, Lana. We just wanted you to focus on your health. You know, so... All the it was like as soon as I had the thought, my next other next door neighbor um, knocked on the door one day and said, "Oh, I, I just want you to know that I'm taking care of your trash. I'm going to put it out for you on trash day." You know, it was like I couldn't. The instant I thought I had a problem, the instant the thought entered my mind, a solution was provided. And then, of course, the longer I went into time. Um, back in the time, they, they diminished. But I had, I came out of that whole time, my, that whole experience, knowing that there was a part of me that was so much greater that, and somehow I had accessed it. I had found the access point um, in which this portal opened up, and I became a receiver out of this um, infinite mind of God. And I knew that everything that I ever needed was always aware. I was always available to me. And now still, it's a daily practice. When a problem shows up, I, I have, I'm, I've learned to avoid the tendency to try to think of a solution. I don't think about it. I go right to Holy Spirit and ask him to show me the truth of this, especially if worry comes up. What's the truth of this? And then one of two things usually happens. Either I'm shown or I, I realize, I recognize, it's more of a recognition that I've given the whole thing way too much meaning and it just became a meaningless idea. Or somehow a solution will show up and in unimagined ways because the solution wasn't coming from my thinking mind or my memory. It was coming from another source not a part of my thinking mind. And and that's just how I function now. You know, whether it um, is uh, regarding money, whether it's regarding my health, because I'm telling you, I've had lots of body adventures, you know, <laughs> lots of body. I've died more times than a cat. <laughs> and I'm finally convinced that I can't do it. You know, I had two heart attacks, one on the way up to the hospital in the ambulance, and that same feeling came over that something else clicked in and I was in total peace and the paramedics there were jumping all around and doing all kinds of things to me. And I'm just laying there watching them in perfect peace. Okay. If I stay and it's okay if I go and experiences where there's no explanation for them and there's no, there's no use even trying to understand them because they're just not from here. They're not from this dimension of time and space. Mm. They're from, they're from, uh, from our unity. That's what unity has come to represent for me. And a little experiences, which I have every day, is when I'm mentoring students of either a course of miracles or a course of love, and when I share the love of God, you know, I as they're 
listening to me and I'm sharing the love of God, it affects us both because in that moment, we leave both of us, leave our thinking mind. We're both coming to the present moment and we're joining together. And that releases this powerful um, loving energy that just starts to explode in us both. And nothing unloved, unlike love can exist in it. It just can't. So the best thing for any perceived problem is to return the mind to love, to return the mind to God and not to think about it. Thinking is probably the worst thing I can do if something, if, if an experience or an awareness shows up that looks anything unlike love and peace and perfection. The last thing I want to do is think about it. <laughs> I want to not think. I want to um, still my mind. And, and that happens naturally when I have my focus on God. When my focus in God is totally on God, it can't be thinking. You can't do the both at the same time. You're either in your thinking mind or you're present with God. And when you in one, you become oblivious to the other. So the mind will naturally silence itself. All I have to do is keep my focus and attention on God. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to rattle on so much. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure to listen mm. to those stories and, and to your words of wisdom. Thank you very much. No. No need for apology. <laughs> um, well, I can, you know, I can babble on sometime. I get so excited. Um, and it's a spiritual energy, again, that just rises up. And, and I'm just like a little chatterbox for God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm his, <laughs> I should have these pom-poms, you know. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God for, you know, for, for what he's shown me in my life, you know. Uh, so many things, you know, so many, so many miraculous and things. And, and there are just a couple that come to mind. You know, there have been... I mean, my, my daughter was addicted to heroin. That's another miraculous story. I was taken outside of time and space to another dimension once. That's a miraculous story. Um, many, many body adventures where I was shown that, you know, I just have to trust God. He'll take rest the rest of it. Any problems, just trust God, you know, and... Um, the question that keeps coming to mind that I feel like listeners might have as they're listening to you is if they're beginning this experience or they're, you know, trying to embody these experiences, I guess. I can't think of a better word. Sometimes words are so limiting. Um, yes, they're pretty useless at times. <laughs> <laughs> How do they know if they're tapping into the, to a spirit that's safe? You know, I think there's been such a great deal of confusion. And so even to move into the spiritual realm of our being has an inherent fear now for people or yeah. people have an inherent fear about it. I, well, I can only say that the only thing that can bring evil into my life is my alignment in my mind with ego. Ego to me is synonymous, synonymous with evil experiences or terrifying experiences. Spirit is a totally benign entity. It's loving. 
it's pure so you know it, it's like a, how perception works if i'm perceiving someone um acting insanely whether they're informed well you know i've never experienced a malevolent spirit outside of form but um i'm seeing I, i'm aligned with my ego you know it's like if if i see anything other than perfection in my brother whose mind needs to be healed it's the mind of the perceiver okay so as long as i keep my mind in god it's impossible because ego's not real it's a manufactured um entity and if you want to give it form if you want to give it reality you will do that you know you will do that but um if you know that ego doesn't exist it's something we made up you know in that when we had that crazy mad idea to separate from god it's it's um it's an invention of the mind so i just redirect my mind if i keep my mind here and now with god then any spiritual entity um will be loving will be supportive would be will be nurturing you know in fact at night you know i still do it the last thing i do when i lay my head down um is to give my sleeping time over to jesus and holy spirit because when i go to sleep at night there's no one there although and the mind never sleeps my body may sleep my brain may go to sleep but the the mind never sleeps so it means that if i'm unconscious i'm there's no one watching my mind so the ego can have a field day you know you know what during my night and that i think is a source of what we call our bad dreams at night you know but when whenever i and i don't have bad dreams anymore i haven't had them for years and it's and i really believe it's because i asked holy spirit to watch over my mind as i sleep you know and i give them full authority you know i i um there is no life of lana now there's a life joined in unity with god you know it's not lana needs to do this or lana needs to do that it's like what are we going to do today god you know and watch it unfold watch it unfold and um usually i spend my day sharing the love of god so um he keeps me very occupied i don't have a lot of time to think otherwise and because i have disabilities um and and illnesses you know it's it's the one thing i have i have this condition my body has this condition i should say that's spinal stenosis and it can be very painful excruciating painful painful and the one thing i've learned to do is to do nothing it's to bring my awareness to the present moment and not resist it because what we resist like we were talking about earlier um if i'm resisting something i'm holding that energy in place but if i accept it and allow it and embrace it in love it just flows right out of me that's the most curative thing i can do for any sickness or illness i can let it be i can um I can love it, you know, loving something, you know, I I once said that the bravest thing I ever do is respond to fear with love. And and it's a simple thing once you train your mind to use it because love is healing. Love is healing. And whether you we think somebody deserves it or not, it doesn't matter. Love is healing. 
you know, if you got a pain, you love it that way. You just love it away. <clears throat> and it's much more effective than fear or resistance, you know. So um, I think another thing for any new student um, spiritual on their spiritual path is to learn to start trusting. Because I'll tell you, uh, the only way to trust the truth is true is by trusting it. There's no, this by trusting. And you start with little things. You start with little things. And as you see your trust is validated, you, you come to recognize that you can trust trusting and you'll trust more things and you'll trust more things. I'm telling you the hardest thing, the last thing, big thing that I gave over to Holy Spirit was my daughter. You know, it's like, I'll trust you with anything, God, you know, anything, but not my daughter, you know. <laughs> you know, because surely the mother knows better than God. You know, and, <laughs> and if what and it wasn't until I released control of my daughter over to God, that was when her whole situation turned around. And we were both healed. I was healed of the need to control. And that was probably the most the was the largest. Um, degree of trust I'd ever come to because I gave myself to him years ago but my daughter you know I was still there scratching my head and, and wondering what to do the whole time my daughter's drowning in addiction and I remember one night being I was praying that my daughter would be arrested it was winter time and I didn't know where she was and I was just terrified I was going to get that call saying they found her dead of an overdose and, and I remember praying, you know, and asking Jesus, you know, now you can imagine that night I was in a state of fear. What am I going to do? And and Jesus just came back just as gently as anything. And he says, you're asking the wrong question. It's not what you're going to do. It's ask a different question. Ask what God's going to do. I'm telling you, Helen, it was like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulder. And it's one of those aha moments. It was like, of course, I was standing in the way. I was blocking the loving, miraculous energy that could heal my daughter because the energy was coming through. But there was me jumping out in front of it and saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do <laughs> instead of allowing God to do its thing? You know, so it's you take baby steps, but each one builds on the next. And then all of a sudden, one day you'll you'll look back and it may be a year or two years. You'll look back and and you'll see how different you are, how your experience of life is different. And sometimes you need to look back in order to recognize your forward movement, your forward growth spiritual growth you know but we're always we're always progressing uh, we just don't notice it so trust learning to trust i think is huge and also keeping the mind present and mindful you know being handicapped it makes it a little easier for me because if i'm not mindful i'll fall on the floor you know <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So it was easier to train my mind to be mindful, <laughs> to be present. But being present is huge because you're when you're present, you're not worrying about the future. You're not creating stories about the future or building up remorse and guilt about the past. 
when I'm being present, I'm just with what is. And you discover that what is, is only love and peace. You know, and that's where I reside now. I reside in the, now I'm not talking about practical things like making a shopping list or, you know, running an errand, going to the post office or paying my bills. But I'm, I'm talking about my life experience of all those things, all these mundane, you know, things that we have to do in this life. What is my experience about it? Is it joyful? Is it happy? Is it peaceful? You know, because you can get pretty upset, you know, at, at a cashier or you know, the mailman, or if you let yourself, if you let yourself, you know, anything can become a catastrophe. It's just how much do do I want to, how much of my mind do I want to invest in it? And um, so it's, it ends up, you just, I don't know, I'm happy with my life, even though uh, when I look on it, it looks like, I don't know, some parts of it are like one of those Stephen Hawkins horror stories. (laughs) Or Stephen King, that's who I want to say, can look like a Stephen King by one person and just be a wondrous adventure to another. <laughs> How beautiful. Thank you so much for such incredible sharing. I've got tears rolling Aww. down my face. You probably, Aww, I don't know if you can see over Zoom, but so, so beautiful. And I love that, you know, you've covered such big experiences to such mundane experiences you know sometimes when I go to the downtown to get groceries or whatever I'm doing a tree will just like pop out or my awareness goes to the tree and the the beauty of it or the the flowers at the moment it's Mm -hmm. spring here so the, the flowers are just captivating and sometimes I wonder on one occasion I thought to myself, did that tree just flower right now, just for me? Mm, yes, yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> they they seem to just pop so much. Um, oh. So, you know, as you just said, a mundane thing can become quite joyous. It can. It really can. Do we have time just for one more quick share? Because it's very I'd love you to. practical. Um one time when, because I'd been sick all these years, um, I had fallen behind on my income tax. And I remember I just moved to Boston and I had this appointment with the IRS. I was terrified. <laughs> you know? And I was sit. I remember I was sitting there, I, you know, I'd created all sorts of stories about the meeting I was about to have not, and none of them were good. And I thought, well, I'm just, I'm just going to meditate here on the bench. It was a spring day. So I sat on the bench and I just got still. And I was just going to meditate maybe about five or ten minutes before I went in the building. And I just received this beautiful message from spirit. And I've carried that with me. This was like 20 years ago. And I've carried it with me every day of my life. And the message was, Just beyond your greatest fear is the peace of God. Ego will say, run, be very afraid. Holy Spirit says, walk through it with me and I'll show you it's not real. Because it was, it had nothing about the situation. I wasn't, my fear wasn't about the situation. I discovered and I recognized that was my fear was about my thoughts about the situation. That was the source of my fear, you know, 
and recognizing that. And of course, I did walk through it with Holy Spirit. And it was wonderful. I mean, they were the nicest people I ever met. They set up a whole plan for me. In fact, they forgave me for one year. They didn't, you know, and they did all, I mean, they did everything for me. And um, it was like beautiful, beautiful. And it was like, oops, I, you know, I did it again. <laughs> I listened to the wrong voice. And we all do it. And we all do it. And and that's important too, because every day is a new adventure. And you're gonna we're gonna stumble and fall. You're gonna forget because that's what ego's job is. Ego's just doing its job, you know, it's doing what it was made to do. Mm. Um, you know, and you have to forgive yourself and and you, you I mean, it's no reason to feel guilty. I mean, this is a curriculum. We're learning how to function in unity. We're learning how to experience life in a different way. We're all in school. And you need to, you can't, if you're in first grade, you can't ex expect to do the curriculum of a high school student or a college student. You're in the perfect place for what you need to learn in this moment in time. So, you know, you just forgive yourself, dust yourself off and just really think of it that way. Oops, I did it again. Brush yourself up and get back on the road, you know, and start, you know, heading back in that road. Just don't hold on to anything. You know, just um, forgive yourself, even if you have to do it 100 times a day. Wherever you are, you're right where you're supposed to be. And... um God loves us no matter what. As far as he says, we're perfect creations. He doesn't see anything other than perfection in us. And and we're learning to do that, too, in our, through our brothers, through our holy relationships. You know, so kind of just cut ourselves a break and, and lighten up and not feel so serious. But this is not a serious thing. You know, and of course, in miracles, it says to heal is to be happy, happy is a very enlightened state. If you're truly happy, you're in spirit. You're in spirit. You know, if you're joyful, if you're laughing. In fact, a quick little test you can do is just a smile. When you smile, you can feel an immediate shift in energy within yourself. It just, I mean, you can't mistake it. You know, just even a smile, um, if you're feeling down, will perk you up. In a whole instant. <laughs> that came in, the smile came into a previous episode, um, I don't know, two or three episodes back with Dirk Wilner. And I, I said to him, a smile started my journey. And Really? Yeah. And one of, one of my listeners rang up and said, you're going to have to tell that story one day. Yes. Now's not the time, but um, at the smile can just change everything. And blow away all that story that's held in the mind, in the ego that you were, you've been explaining. And just creates a gap, a window yeah. for spirit to rush in. Yes, a little opening, a little opening. And, and I love to give, whenever I go into a convenience store or something, and the cashier looks really down, I yes. love the flash of my smile. And the miracle happens when he gives me one back. Yes. Because I know he received the love and he returned it. So in truth, for a holy instant, we both remembered God. In that holy instant, we remembered love. And and 
um, and that's that's a, that's a big a big a miracle as anything else to remember God, and it only takes a holy instant and a smile to our brothers. And it's a beautiful way, isn't it, to open the doorway to tra- trust and faith. Yes, you know it is. when I say to people. Trust and faith are words in the English language because we need them. Like we, we, we need them. Definitely. And they're, they're so unknown, but we need them. And, but it can be quite daunting right at the beginning, whereas flashing a smile is mm-hmm. not as daunting. I mean, when you're, when you're way down in the pits, flashing a smile can be quite daunting, yeah. but it's not as hard as trusting and it's not as hard as faith. So it's a beautiful, yeah. And beautiful it'll give you a start. result. It'll yeah. give you an instant result. And you do do it in baby steps first, you know, a little more trusting and you trust a little larger. You feel a bigger, you feel stronger and, and it's safe. It becomes safe, you know. It's, I feel like, you know, sometimes... We're like the little birdies in the nest and the mama birdie says, okay, you can fly. And the birdie says, oh, sure. Right, mom. You know, I can fly, you know, but, but you, trust way down. <laughs> you trust your father because he's wiser than you are. You trust and um, you, and the bird discovers, well, son of a gun, I can fly. <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's been, it's been lovely, you know, being with you today communicating ah absolutely magnificent joining thank you so much lana i can see from the windows in your background that the light is dimming it's getting late uh, for you and um i don't know how long we've been talking but it's been magnificent oh thank you thank you so much so for the listeners that's it for this episode of the more love podcast I'll um, pop some links on the show notes page to Lana's Facebook page and some of her other wonderful interviews and YouTubes. She is very generous in her sharing and wisdom, as you've just heard. So thank you so much, Lana. Well, thank you. It was just so much fun to be with you. And and um, and I'm just sending out bless- blessings to all your listeners and Whoever needs a miracle, I'm sending them out too. So just catch them. Just catch them. (laughs) That's right. We have to be present to catch them. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you.